you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. I'm going to begin this week's episode with a quote from The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. Chapter one is titled The Voice Inside Your Head. And that's precisely what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the seven types of inner critics that most people are troubled by. But here's what Michael Singer says. In case you haven't noticed, you have a mental dialogue going on inside your head that never stops. It just keeps going and going. Have you ever wondered why it talks in there? How it decides what to say and when to say it? How much of what it says turns out to be true? How much of what it says is even important? If right now you're hearing, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a voice inside my head. That's the voice we're talking about. What a compelling way to start a book. I think that I, okay, so let me back up. Last night I, I opened the book. I had seen it on several different lists by Oprah, believe it or not, Russell Brand. And so I was just intrigued. Went over to Amazon, found it, bestseller, thought, okay, I want to see what this guy says. I had looked up a YouTube video about it. So it was just intriguing to me. Well, I I tend to be an overthinker. I tend to be that person that's really not only analyzing my thoughts and my interactions, but also the thoughts or interactions of other people. It can be, frankly, exhausting. But my husband, on the other hand, has a pretty peaceful mind. Um, a lot of times when there's silence in the room, I am completely preoccupied with the conversations that are going on inside my head. And I look over to my husband and I'll say, what are you thinking about? And he gives me this blank stare of like, nothing. So when I read this quote, I was like, okay, I'm going to see if Neil has an experience like this. So I just read the quote to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that happens to me all the time. Now, I'm not going to lie. When he said it, even though it was 1230 at night, I just started laughing because I was like, are you kidding me right now? You're like the man of fewest words. And you're telling me you have this big honking dialogue going on inside your head all the time. What 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 is it you're thinking about? So Michael Singer goes on to talk about these different um, dialogues that happen in our minds just around the things that we see. So my husband says to me, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this big dialogue that runs in my head when I'm like driving home because I pass the fields and I think, oh, the farmers are out in the fields and the crops are going to start growing pretty soon. And that's going to be super exciting. Wish I had driven my motorcycle today because then I could have taken in the warmth and the heat and I was like are you kidding me right now I I drove down that same road this afternoon and what I thought is I think I'm about to go into the worst allergy season ever like my eyes are watering like it's a whole thing so it just goes to show you that 
our inner dialogues don't necessarily have to be destructive. They're just observation oriented. And if we step back and watch it, we can learn so much about ourselves. And so today I'm going to talk about the seven types of inner critics. Now, there is um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Jay Early and his colleague, Bonnie Weiss, who's a licensed clinical social worker, have done several research projects and interviewing of clients and just various research groups to synthesize um, the inner critical voices into seven types. And I love this because I'm all about figuring out who I am, what I am. And I have to be honest, when I first looked at the list, I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. Like, I feel like I live these different kinds of inner critical voices on the daily. And so I'm going to give them to you. And some of them you'll be like, oh, yeah, I have that. Or, oh, my mom has that. My brother, my husband, my significant other, whatever, my children even um, have that. But I don't really have that. But what I love about this list is there's a universal nature to it. They're not saying that um, we only have one kind of inner critic. He, they're saying, actually, there are these seven really common ones. And most of us have that. And for me, that's super comforting because I don't always know what other people are thinking. And I tend to uh, imagine I'm the only one in the room that struggles with some kind of negative thought patterns. So when they sent out their research and they have their own website and I can link that in the show notes, but when they started giving out their information, I started to realize, wow, okay, it's not just me, that everybody has a story, everybody has a past hurt, everybody has some form of trauma. Certainly after COVID, there's the universal element of all of us going through this pandemic. And so um, things develop out of that, right? Thoughts, feelings, experiences, they all lead to creating this internal dialogue that runs in the background at all times. But some of them are more pervasive than others. Some of them are debilitating even. And so I'm, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and give you the seven. And then you can decide which ones you feel like are the biggest in your life at this point, perhaps in life. I will have over on our website and our Facebook group, the renewal session, the links to taking these inventories so that you can learn about how do I address these inner critics? How do I do the healing that I need to? The other element that I want you to consider as I outline them is that if these things are, you know, pretty significant running in the background of your mind, that as believers, it's so important to be tuned into them because it can change how we pray. It can be, it can change how we read scripture and be able to cover ourselves with God's truth. It also gives us a clue into what areas of our thinking that Satan's going to try to manipulate or multiply in our lives. And we want to be aware of that so that these sin patterns don't grow and get worse for us, right? And most of the time, we aren't really clued into it unless it's so disruptive that it's causing some form of generalized anxiety, depression, perhaps something major has happened in the family, and you just can't get your mind to stop thinking about things. 
But the reality is, as the research has shown, that this is going on in the background of all of us most of the time. So here's number one, the perfectionist. Now this is, I mean, everybody knows about this guy, right? Like this is the one that gets things done perfectly. It's kind of standing in the background, holding you to high standards of production. It has difficulty letting go and completing work because it wants to represent your best work. But the goal is really to make sure that you fit in and that you're not going to be judged or rejected, but instead respected um, and perhaps even set apart from other people. Now, I want to say that these things aren't bad. They're just indicators, right? They're indicators of a story. They're indicators of behaviors that may at some point become really overwhelming to you. And a lot of people talk about how their perfectionism can be debilitating to them. And so if we understand the messages that the perfectionist sends to us, we can then begin to share that with God in our prayers. We can begin to do some healing work around it if there's any kind of trauma attached to it. So the next one is the guilt tripper. Now, the guilt tripper is a critic that's stuck in the past, unable to forgive you for the wrongs that you've done to people. It kind of replays the tape over and over again. I have um, a guilt tripper part that comes in a lot when I say something super snarky or um, maybe inappropriate because in the and it always reminds me of the history of that. Like, hey, Marianne, this is a problem. You've had this problem your whole life. Look at you. You just say snarky things. Um, and it it's almost like I sit in front of a movie screen watching all the ways in which I have um, not repeated patterns of past mistakes, I guess I would say. So this guilt tripper is concerned about relationships. It holds you to a high standard of behavior. Um, it wants you to... Be really aware of cultural norms, of family norms, of not breaking out of what would be appropriate. And it tries to protect you, believe it or not, from repeating these past mistakes by making sure that you never forget them. And that's the irony of some of these inner critics is that their goal isn't to make you feel like crap. Their goal is actually to prevent something from happening again. And so it does it in this super dysfunctional way by shaming you, reminding you, keeping you wrapped up in these what can feel like incredibly neurotic thought patterns. So the third one is the underminer. And this critic tries to undermine your self-confidence and your self-esteem so that you won't take risks. It makes direct attacks on your self-worth so you're going to stay small and not take any chances of getting hurt or rejected. I think it's afraid that you should not be too big or too visible because you will not be able to tolerate the judgment or the failure. So it will remind you of the ways that you don't measure up to keep you small. And a lot of times the underminer, we're, okay, let me say this. In our culture right now, we're really hot on this topic of imposter syndrome and usually where we have a sense of imposter syndrome, we also have an inner critic that is an underminer that is saying to us, you're fake. Like, you don't have those talents. You're just pretending. And so 
if we can start catching the dialogue that goes along with these inner critics, we can begin to transform. But that requires like a level of consciousness that sometimes we don't always, you know, do in our lives. And so I want to invite you to start being conscious of what's going on inside of us. Because the next one, which is the fourth one, is called the destroyer. And it's a pretty significant one. I would say that it is the one that is the most debilitating and usually comes from some type of trauma or early life deprivation, but it does these pervasive attacks on your fundamental self-worth. Um, it's reminding you that you are inherently flawed and that you're not entitled to the basic understanding or respect of other people. And this is not terribly common, right? Uh, and this really is something that can result from having a voice of maybe an abusive person in your life. You take on that message and you just carry it forth. Um, but usually it is a huge indicator of woundedness and trauma that started early on in life. So we want to get as tuned into these voices so that we can do the therapeutic work of healing and stop the negative ways in which these inner critics are trying to help us, which I realize sounds completely counterintuitive. But really, as we get deeper into understanding different kinds of theory and technique, you'll hear me say over and over again that we have these different parts of us and they have goals and they have ways of protecting us. But the problem is sometimes they outlast uh, our need for that protection it's just keeping doing the same thing it's always been doing, but we don't need to do that anymore because we're safer, we're smarter, we make better choices in relationships. You get the gist. Okay, so the next one is the molder. And this critic tries to fit into certain molds based on the standards of society, culture, family, it wants you to be liked, admired, because most off, the molder wants you to really fit in and not experience any kind of abandonment, shame, or rejection. And so if there is any chance in the social situation that you might experience those things, the molder is going to come and remind you of the way you need to behave in these given circumstances. And the molder is particularly activated within us because of another part that we have that's not an inner critic, but it is another part that can be called the rebel or the free spirit. And the rebel and the free spirit kind of does what they want to do when they want to do it. Um, and not necessarily inappropriately, but I'm going to, I'm doing me. And if you don't like it, oh, well, right. And I have, uh, you know, it's funny when I was younger, I had a big molder and I just really wanted everybody to like me. And, and truthfully, it made me super needy and super anxious about everything because it wasn't really my true nature to be a person that fit in, but I just wanted to be accepted. Well, now as an adult, what I have found is that I have this like ever growing free spirited rebellious part that's like, standing there going, whatever, I don't really care what you think of me. Now, that can be super dangerous because it can lead to a whole lot of sin and hurting of other people. So I do, I have benefited from 
my molding critic because it allows me to put boundaries on things without doing what it used to do, which was shame me into changing. Now my molder just kind of says, ding, 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 ding. You're treading on thin ice, Marianne. So the mold, again, I know I've said it a bunch of times now, but I'm going to say it again. These critics are not out to, they're just dysfunctional, I guess is the best way I could say it. They're dysfunctional. So we want to make them functional. We want them to be helpers, not herders, right? So the next type of inner critic is a taskmaster. And the taskmaster wants you to work hard and be successful. You cannot be mediocre or lazy. You're going to be judged as a failure. So they keep pushing you. Um, it's usually activated by a procrastinating part that isn't dealing with issues. And so the taskmaster will come in and remind you of all the ways you are being lazy. And it kind of says, get up, get your act together, stop sitting around acting like you don't know what to do, right? Ironically, that kind of sounds like the voice I used as a mother, but hey, it's just whatever. <laughs> My kids can go to therapy if they need to. I'm just kidding, kids, because I know you're listening. Taskmasters are not good. There are better ways to motivate a person um, than shaming them. And yet the taskmaster likes to remind us that we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And then the final inner critic is the inner controller. And the inner controller is motivated to help you make a, be a good person, to fit into society, to live within boundaries. Um, but it tends to be harsh and shaming in an effort to protect you from yourself. And it's polarized with another part of you that's been named the indulger. And the indulger is can go out of control at any moment, right? I have an indulging part that the minute you put um, a nothing bunt cake in front of me, I don't know if you guys know that brand or not, but if you put the white chocolate raspberry nothing bunt cake in front of me, my indulger comes out to play. And my inner controller does as well. Because I'll get about one, maybe one and a half, if I'm telling the total truth, maybe two slices into a nothing bunk cake. And my inner controller will come out and remind me of the fact that I have no control. And it will say, what, what's your big plan here, Marianne? Is your plan to just eat this whole cake? Is that what you're going to do today? And it will shame me into stopping um, indulging. And so these are just seven common ones. Obviously, we all have individual stories. We all have experiences of um, within our families of origin, our significant relationships in our lives that we got negative messages from and we've continued to carry those negative messages forward. But this is these are the most seven, seven common. Now, what I want to say about them is, is if you go over to the Facebook group and you um, join, you can get the link to do the test to kind of see which are the most commonly activated ones for you. And I highly recommend it. And you can even go over to Dr. J. Early's website. Uh, I think it's called personal-growth.com and go into his website and take some of his inventories. He's got a ton of different inventories that you can take to learn 
about inner critics, capacities. It's just a wealth of information. If you're a person who likes to take little quizzes and things like that, his website is the place to go. And I will put the actual link um, in the show notes as well. But I want to take a second and just talk about the fact that our stories are prime ground for Satan to come in and manipulate our thinking. His primary goal is to stop us from growing in Christ, from claiming our identity in him and healing wounds so that we can glorify God. And if there is any opportunity for Satan to come in and take hold of these messages and multiply them, he's going to. And what I have found is that if I don't keep myself really aware, if I don't keep those things kind of in my consciousness and start paying attention to these internal messages, the renewing of my mind that is promised to me in scripture doesn't happen because I'm not even tuned into what's going on in my mind. So I want to invite you this week to, I'd say journal, but let's face it, some people are really into journaling and they rock it, but a lot of us have this instinct of like, ugh. I don't know if I can do that. So, you know, hey, if you're a journaler, journal the crap out of this stuff for yourself because it's going to pay off big. But if you're if you're like me, I I journal and then I bullet point and then I pray and then I journal, I bullet point. It's like a very erratic system that I've got going on. But really, I want to invite you to just tune in. To, to to tune in and one of the fastest ways that I've done it recently that I'm I'm really digging I'm not gonna lie I do it on the regular right now is I just sit in front of my couch because I need the back support I'm not gonna lie but I sit in front of my couch on the floor and I practice letting my mind clear now if you know me you know this is not an easy task but I try it and usually what I find out is the inner critics come right to the top. And so when they started coming right to the top, when I got quiet, I would bullet point them. I would just notice them as an observer. And that became the launching pad for what I prayed about. That became the launching pad of what I went to God's word about. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to remind us of what God has implanted in us. So I trust that if I'm in his word, if I'm praying, that I am going to be covering myself with a new identity in Christ and that Satan can't get in there and do his manipulation, multiplication, sin pattern, all that bit. So I want to invite you to try something like that strategy. I don't want one of, I think, let me say this. One of the worst things that I think happened to me early on was that I would listen to things like this, or I would learn things like this. And people would say, do it this way. Pursue your personal healing in just this way. And my inner rebel was not into that. Like, I did not want to be told, this is what you have to read. This is how you have to do it. So do not hear me prescribing a particular method. I am simply saying, you are never going to regret turning inward for the purposes of looking at what's going on in your life so that you can break free of those strongholds and become exactly who God's called you to be. And whatever method that goes to that honors God, go for it. 
You know, we're all made different. Some people, they they really tune in as they're doing art. Some people really tune in as they're mowing the yard. You know, who am I to say how your God's going to reveal these areas of healing for you? But I just want to invite you to not run from these voices, but instead grab hold of them, listen to them, allow them to be presented to God, and let's see what work he can do in you. So next week, I'm going to interview a friend of mine, and we're going to talk about her primary inner critics and the methods and the successes and the failures that she has had in trying to tackle these very issues in her life. So I'm super excited for you to come back and be a part of the conversation. I want to invite you to go over to the Facebook group. We're active and I'm always posting information over there. And then also, if you like what we're starting to talk about here, head over to iTunes and Google Play and subscribe and rate and give a review because all of that makes a huge difference for me to know what I need to be providing to help you grow, not only as a friend or a mother or a sister, brother, whatever, but just as a believer. And so if we can do this journey together and you can give me feedback I'm just going to get more and more in tune with what it is that are it's going on in your life. What's your pain points? And I'm going to direct what we talk about on this podcast for you. So please feel free to jump on over to the Facebook group and go over to iTunes and rate and subscribe. Until next week, we end the renewal session. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the renewal session podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.